KBCS is powered by listeners just like you. Support this and other KBCS stories, interviews, and highlights by donating at our website, kbcs.fm. According to the Migration Policy Institute, 246,000 undocumented immigrants live in Washington state, half of which are uninsured and live in poverty. The Washington Immigrant Solidarity Network, or WISEN, is a web of organizations and individuals across the state who take action to support immigrants' needs and advocate for services and laws to protect this community. Weissen and many immigrants and allies will gather at the state capitol building today from 2 to 5 for Olympia's 7th Annual Immigrant and Refugee Advocacy Day. As part of this action, activists will call upon lawmakers to advocate for further seed funding for equal access to health care for all low-income Washingtonians, regardless of immigration status, and for an unemployment insurance for undocumented workers bill, HB 1095. 5 SB 5109 to allow all of Washington's undocumented workers to apply for unemployment insurance without affecting immigration status. I spoke with Wyson Executive Director Catalina Velasquez yesterday about Wyson's involvement in advocacy work and today's event. Velasquez starts by describing the undocumented population in Washington state. I mean, we have a very welcoming state to refugees, so we have a very diverse population of immigrants. And I think something that is important to keep in mind is that um, these reports don't account for the fact that uh, immigration status is not an identity and therefore is always fluctuating. A lot of refugees at the beginning are undocumented, waiting for a credible fear test, waiting to have a a job permit, you know, for all points and purposes, they're not allowed to work, but they're expected to cover housing and basic like needs. And oftentimes refugees don't have that. So it's important to have a very expansive understanding of what undocumented immigrants look like, because it's not static. It's constantly shifting. And in Washington, it looks like refugees, it looks like farm workers, people in the meatpacking industries, uh, a lot of blue collar jobs, a lot of people uh, outside of Seattle. I think that there's a gravitational pull to think of migration all within a Seattle King County context. And not only is our detention center in Pierce County, but also the rest of uh, the state is constantly uh, feeding their economies with migrant labor. And, and what people don't realize is that we are not only a border state, but we're a, a state that has a afford like seasons and labor is not steady. While labor is not steady, the need for shelter is 12 months a year and the need for food is daily and the need for water is daily and basic needs are just uh, very inaccessible. And we then find ourselves in this neoliberal landscape where we have great policies coming out of Seattle. We have this sanctuary you know, uh, status that people like to celebrate, but rent costs are going up. Life costs are going up and it's a sanctuary space that very like every day, if not, you know, <laughs> every minute we're losing migrants to this space is because we can't afford we're like cast out economically out of this spaces. So how do we reconcile this progressive politics that come from places like Seattle with the fact that immigrants are not allowed to live here because we're priced out? Rent is too high. Food is too expensive. And then we're seeing like inflation costs around the nation and the state of the economy have disproportionate effects on immigrants. 
experience. Um, so I, I'd like to keep the conversation statewide because oftentimes uh, we think of migrants, we think like already rings of privilege, but that's not to say that migrants in King County are being properly served. And so that complexity and nuance is also important because we do have over 800 families in tents and struggling for housing and basic needs in Tequila, for example, as a Riverton church and imperative for us as advocates and community members, but also for our elected officials to do something about it and to do something not portraying migrants as social parasites or just people that are here to take, 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 but as like social investments because we're part of the socio-cultural and economic. And, and please note that I said economic last for a reason because we're more than just the services and like utility we provide to U.S. citizens. We're also your neighbor. Like our kids go to school with 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 U.S. citizens. And yeah, it's important for us to have a welcoming public domain where we don't have to hide. And I say that because, yes, we can get licenses, but that doesn't mean that we're not experiencing violent levels of surveillance and intimidation uh, outside of places within King County and Seattle. 14,000 uh, migrants arrived in Washington State in 2023 who are seeking asylum. Is this a larger number than usual or is this about, you know, staying on course? This is about framing a conversation. You go on the fact that it's not new, but we are seeing a much more violent U.S. around the world. Uh, we are seeing more support uh, for war and uh, U.S. imperial expansion and their borders are expanding. They're using places like Mexico and other countries to take the humanitarian responsibilities that pertain to this country, especially with the way that we showed up in Latin America, in Africa, in the Arab Peninsula, across the world. And, and so I want to say that it's not new, but the numbers uh, are increasing and it's not coincidental or outside of how the U.S. is showing up in the world. The presence of the United States, that is the true push factor of migration, yet no responsibility or connection is made. And therefore, the onus is put on undocumented immigrants to justify why we're here or to address like what is considered a crisis. The crisis is a crisis of empire. It's not a refugee crisis. It's a crisis of um, U.S. violence and, and voracious predatory like goals that lead to parasitic relationships with the world and therefore more people here. Why are there the asylum cases, 14,000 of them in Washington state when, you know, we're kind of far from the southern border? This has a lot to do with the fact that we are in the United States and what Texas does affects Washington and what Florida does affects Washington. And what you're witnessing is a wave of anti-immigrant hysteria that has led to local communities criminalizing even the sale of water, renting property to undocumented people in the city, and exacerbating conditions that are so suffocating that um, as, as immigrant communities, we're not ignorant to finding out what place is much more friendly for our human needs, where we have to uh, fight less to make our uh, humanity known and respected, and, and Washington has been leading on that. Is there a lot more work to do? Absolutely. But uh, the political landscape in Washington facilitates people showing up for them and their families in unapologetic ways that uh, are more dangerous and lethal in spaces like 
the deep south and whatnot, where we are kept from basic human needs, from licenses, from uh, the opportunity to even lobby, right? Like some people still have conversations whether immigrants should go and speak to elected representatives. I mean, we can vote them in. So why are we like their constituents? But uh, in Washington, the conversation starter is a little bit different and it allows for us to, to just push harder for for what we know we deserved uh, as people and 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 the kind of us that uh, and values that this country was built upon right because if if it's family unification we have families and they matter if it's uh, housing justice we also you know it, the problems we're facing are exacerbated among us but those are social responsibilities that us uh, state local governments and federally should be taking upon but we are seeing a historical rollback on the role of the welfare state we're seeing a historical rollback on a commitment to protect and respect all lives and people who live within our our territories could you tell me about these bills that are being discussed in the legislature this session and also some of the strides that were made last year and how you're building off of that? Here's a couple of things. We have a bill in the House and the Senate, uh, HB 1095 and SB 5109.0 which is to cement an unemployment insurance for undocumented workers program. This will create a, a permanent separate unemployment system that won't collaborate or information share uh, with federal agencies in ways that will put migrants again as like liable for our social basic needs. And instead it will address the unique geographical like circumstances and, and, and border realities that happen in Washington by ensuring that our particularly uh, our farm workers our people in meatpacking industries will have uh, ongoing resources to survive our winters, but this will create a separate unemployment system that provides those benefits and will allocate resources to ensuring our, our migrant families are, are taken care all year long. As for healthcare, it's more of a budget proviso ask which looks like providing equal access to healthcare for low-income Washingtonians, regardless of their immigration status. I don't know, Hugo, if, if you recall, but la the last legislative session and whatnot, um, Washington uh, elects have been investing in the infrastructure of, of Medicaid expansion and subsidies to healthcare for undocumented immigrants. We even got a waiver from the federal government to, to ensure that Medicaid expansion, and we became like the first uh, state to be granted that in the, in the nation. And uh, last year, we were able to provide funding to expand Apple Healthcare uh, so that they can provide services to some of our most vulnerable community members. But what we do know, Yuko, is that um, regardless, Apple Health expansion still needs significant more funding to be able to provide those services. And a lot of our people are still kept uninsured and without access to healthcare. And as a result, well, we need to have uh, a Washington Congress that continues making these investments. And I say that because at some point we will need a bill and at some point we should like cement this more permanently. But we know that uh, we need to ensure that the administrations here and the different like bureaucracies are ready to accommodate this. HB 1095 and SB 5109 are here to cement uh, social safety nets and expose uh, migrant needs beyond citizenship, right? Because there is uh, a playing of politics, Yuko, that we are experiencing where nothing is happening, you know, 
immigration laws at the federal level. And states oftentimes wash their hands and say, there's nothing we can do. This is federal domain. There's plenty you can do at the local level. Education, healthcare, housing, food banks, like there's plenty to do at the local level. And, and right now the message needs to be for everybody, right? Just because DC is not moving, just because our federal elected officials are not doing their job in passing, you know, comprehensive, humane immigration reform and 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 whatnot, and and protecting DACA and supporting more programs like DACA for workers for parents, doesn't mean that we cannot uh, do right by immigrants. Uh, ensure that we can drive. Ensure that we have healthcare. Ensure that we have access to food and shelter and unemployment insurance, as I mentioned. And so, um, what why and does like to pride ourselves on is thinking of migrants 360 holistically um, and as uh, human beings that, that require more than just a paper for us to work. Some of this, especially the healthcare aspect, is fighting for everyone to make healthcare more accessible, not only to the immigrant population, but to everyone. Absolutely, Hugo. And I, I think you're hitting on something that is very important for everyone um, who listens to your program and whatnot, which is, you know, when we uplift and support immigrants, we truly are strengthening all communities and all people and raising living standards for everybody. Right. We are seen as the divestible segment of society, as the exploitable segment of society. Uh, we don't have blue passports, so we don't have access to political, economic rights oftentimes. But that doesn't mean that when you are centering us and creating programs for us, that we're not uplifting everybody. And an example of that is through healthcare. More accessible healthcare for immigrants is more accessible healthcare for everybody. More support on insurance is also more support for workers, because I know there's a lot of uh, initiatives to support like worker rights and, and around like people striking and unemployment insurance. This also raises the importance of those uh, causes to be championed and whatnot, and that kind of intersectional wave of justice is not in isolation. So uh, immigrant justice is queer, trans justice, immigrant justice is Black justice, is justice for all. Tell me about the event. What are some of the planned events there? So we're having our seventh annual Advocacy Day as the Washington Immigrant Solidarity Network. It's very exciting because it feels like it's going to be the largest of its kind in our history. We're bringing over 400 folks to march uh, and rally. But before that, we do have a program to build community, to ground ourselves on the fact that we have each other's backs and, and that we're not alone, but also building that political consciousness, forging those solidarities, right? Like these spaces. Uh, are for immigrants and refugees, but we are Black, we're Asian, we're Pacific Islander, we're trans, we're queer, we're disabled, we're single parents, we're young, we are elders. And so that brings all sorts of layers of complexity that require more than just uh, marching and a rally, require humanization, require uh, political consciousness building. And so we will have the first uh, part of the day doing that, learning how to continue taking care of each other. And after that, we do have a rally where we are going to march 
to the capital steps. And then we will have a program that has all sorts of uh, wonderful, uh, directly impacted voices, people working directly with community, from Daniel Alvarado with Working Washington to Andrea Soloco with the Jewish Coalition for Immigrant Justice to folks from the Somali Health Board like Mohammed Shidine and our very own like leadership like our Palestinian organizer Rukaya Damara and of course elected officials Senator Saldana and Reptile. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? It's African American Heritage Month. We should celebrate Black people beyond February, but uh, migration is a Black issue. A lot of our refugees are coming from uh, different corners. In Africa, we're seeing a lot of Congolese, Angolan folks, Portuguese-speaking African refugees. It's important for us to continue building that connective tissue because all Black lives matter, and that includes Black migrant lives and Black trans lives because Black trans people are also refugees and immigrants. Um, And as a trans woman doing this work, I always bring a trans agenda, you And like, we need to make sure that um, we're also elevating trans and queer leadership. And I'm very proud to be part of a network that was built by, for, and with uh, trans, queer, like forced migrants, undocumented people. The leadership is still queer and and trans. And we are beyond LGBTQ resource centers or pronouns or bathroom inclusivity. We're also here fighting for citizenship. We've been here and we're here to stay. And so if, if the, the more you can do to elevate the fact that that is, <laughs> that is the case because uh, trans women continue to be murdered, continue to be raised and continue to be portrayed, not as PhD students, not as like executive directors. We are part of a journalistic near campaign around single stories of what it means to be a trans immigrant, what it means to be transgender. And it's important to, to make sure we're doing our due diligence to show that there's other stories that maybe we should also be elevating and that trans people are as, as diverse as any other community and, and part of um, birthing movements for justice beyond our own uh, struggles as trans people. The big thank you and the big congratulations is truly to migrants for choosing to still rationalize with people that don't believe we're human, for choosing to wake up and do this work, right? Like I thank uh, Olympia elected officials and we are very grateful to them, but it's truly community who creates this political moments. It's truly community who, who makes these victories possible. That was Washington Immigrant Solidarity Network, or WISEN, Executive Director Catalina Velasquez, speaking with me yesterday about the march and rally at our state capitol building today from 2 to 5 p.m. For more information, you can visit waisn.org slash event. I'm Yuko Kadama with KBCS.